Ashley Brock reading Diane Palmer's book, A Man of Means, Chapter 6. I shouldn't have said that, Meredith said wearily when Ray was gone. I set him off again. It won't hurt him to have one woman who doesn't fall all over him when he's around. Leo told her flat, sometimes too much success can ruin a good man. She toyed with her coffee Women like him, I guess, she said. Gave her a quick glance that she didn't see before he stare started on his back. He's had girlfriends since he was in drama school, but there was only one serious one. She she turned out to be a real loser. He had quite. She soured him on women. She sipped her coffee. You can't judge an entire sex by one woman, she pointed. Well, we had her mother as an example, too, he continued. She left Dad when, with five young boys, and never looked back. We haven't been overawed with sterile examples of womanhood, although Simon and Corrigan and Cag had made good marriages in spite of that. <laughs> She smiled absently as she looked at him. I had a brother of my own, she said without the Yes, I know, Leo replied, surprising her in the silence. His name was Michael Jones. He worked for Houston PD. Her gas was wild. How did you know about him? Remember Coulter Banks? Yes, Coulter was Mike's best friend. Well, Coulter's her second cousin. He don't I knew Mike too. I'm sorry. She clenched one fist in her lap and tried not to give away give away the chance. Do the others know? No, they don't. They weren't that close to Coulter, and they never met Mike. I haven't told them, and I'm not planning to. She searched the dark eyes. What else do you know about me, Leo? She asked because of the way he was watching her. He said, everything. She let out a long breath. And you haven't shared it with Ray? He wouldn't want me to, he murmured around. He's having too much fun being condescending. When the time comes, he's got a few shocks coming, hasn't he? She laughed softly. I hadn't meant to be cloak and daggerous. It's just that it's too much to talk about it. She said honestly. Coulter told me the circumstances. It wasn't your fault, he implied, or your father's. I gather that he drinks because he feels responsible. She nodded. We both dined out on what ifs just after it happened. She confessed. I know that it probably wouldn't have made any difference, but you can't help wondering. It doesn't do any good to torment yourself over things that are history, Leo said gently. I don't do it intentionally, she murmured. The first step was getting your father into treatment, he said. Getting you out of your rut was the second. You don't have any memories to contend content with here. I've noticed the difference in you just in the past week, he smiled. You're changing already. I suppose so, she smiled back. I've never been able, I've never even been on a ranch before. I could love it here. It's such a change of pace. When you're back to normal, we've got plenty of opportunity around here for your sort of job. He pointed out. She said, don't rush me. It's far too soon to think about leaving Houston. She didn't add that she didn't want to be that close to Ray, considering it was spinning over at the moment. I've only been down here a week. Okay, I'll let it drop for now. He leaned back in his chair and winced, Mary in the arm that had stitched. Damn boy, he muttered. Did they give you something for the pain? No, and I didn't ask for anything. Have the over-the-counter painkillers if it gets really bad? So far, it hasn't. You know, of course, that statistically farm and ranch work have the highest ratio of accidents, she said. Any job can be dangerous. He said easily. She pushed her li she pursed her lips and lifted her coffee cup. Your brother's a walking job hazard, she said thoughtfully. Oh, in what way exactly? He asked.
She wouldn't have touched that lamb with a pole. She laughed. He's abrasive. I don't think he wants me here. I noticed his attitude. Hope you haven't let it get to you. I have it. Anyway, he'll mellow one of these days, he said. He could use a melon. He's a delish he's a disillusioned man. She smiled up like a and he loved her very much. He knew she was talking about Carly, so he thought he did. His pride suffered more than his heart, he hesitated. I didn't mean man I didn't help matters. I made a play for her deliberately to show him what she was. That was a miscalculation. A big one. He's never forgiven me for it. Now if I pay any attention to a woman, he tries to compete with me. She noticed the way his voice trailed off. She heard her eyes. I get the picture, she said. It's not like that. Not with you. He can't. She forced my He's not interested in me, she said bluntly. And just in case you're worried, then I might be falling all over him. There's no danger of that either. I was outside the door when he was talking to you. It wasn't eavesdropping. But he was speaking rather loudly. I heard what he said. I'd have to be certified to lose my heart of a man like that. He grimaced as he read the faint pain that lingered in us. I wouldn't have you. I wouldn't have had you hear what he said for the world. He said deeply. She made his mind. It's just as well. It will keep me from taking him seriously. Besides, I'm not really down here looking for a soulmate. Just as well, because Ray isn't any woman idea of the perfect partner, not the way he is right now. I love him dearly, but I can afford to. It's another story for any woman who loses his heart to him. He said it warmly. Wearingly, just don't let him play you for a fool. I wouldn't dream of it, she said. Even if I got the chance. <laughs> he nodded. He finished his pie and coffee and got to his feet. I'd better change it to get back to work. Thanks for running interference, by the way. You're a cool head in an emergency, he remarked with mom. I've had lots of practice, he said modestly and grinned. But try to stay away from horn things for a while. Especially my brother, the minor demon, devil. He said, tug and cheek and grin back when she got the reference and started laughing. After Leo went back to work, Meredith went out to gather eggs. It seemed very straightforward. You walked into the hen house, reached in the nest, and pulled out a dozen or so big brown eggs, some still warm from the chicken's feathered body. But that wasn't what happened. She paused just inside the hen house to let her eyes adjust to the reduced lights, and when she moved toward the row of straw-laced nests, she saw something wrapped around one nest that wasn't feathered. It had scales and a flickering long tongue. It peered at her through the darkness and tightened its coils around its pre its prey, three big brown eggs. Meredith, a city girl with very little expensive experience of scaly things, did something predictable. She screamed, threw the basket in the general direction of the snake, and left skid marks getting out of the fenced lot. Annie Lewis, who was doing the laundry, came to the back door as fast as her arthritis would allow to see what all the commotion was about. There's a big black and white snake in there! Meredith screamed, shaking all over from the close encounter. After the eggs, I reckon, Annie said with a sigh. She wiped her hands on him. That may get the stick, and I'll deal with it. <laughs> you can't go in there alone with that horrible thing and try to kill it. It must be five feet long. It's a king snake. No, not a rattler. Annie said gently, recognizing the description. And I'm not planning to kill it. I'm going to get it on a stick and put it in the barn. It can eat its fill of rats and poisonous snakes and do some good out there. You aren't going to kill it, Meredith explained horrified. It's a king snake, dear, came the quiet gentle reply. We don't like to kill them. They're very useful. They eat rattlesnakes, you know.
I didn't know where is your room. I've never seen a snake except in a zoo and it was a python. You'll see lots of them out here in the country. Just remember that if one rattles at you, it means business and it will strike. Rattlesnakes are venomous. Meredith, look around as if she expects to be mobbed just at the mention of them. You can finish the washing, Anna said. Sure, not I'll take care of the snake. Please be careful. I will, after all. You get used to things like Rage Rave up and stop the truck just short of the two women ex exiting with his usual graceful sweet. What's going on? He asked as he pulled a box of assorted bovine medic medicine out of the boot of the truck. There's a snake in the hen house, Meredith explained. He stopped with the supplies in his arms and stared at her curiously. So, he was, I'm going, I'm just going to move it for Ray, Mrs. Lewis said with a grin. Sounds like a king snake. I thought I'd put him in the barn. I'll get him for you. He put the box on the hood of the truck. Scared of snakes, are you? He scuffed. I've never seen one until a few minutes ago, she said awfully and flushed. He was looking at her as if she were a child. There's a first time for everything, he said, and his eyes made a very explicit remark as they lingered on her breast. She gave him a glare hot enough for to fry bacon, which he ignored. He walked right into the chicken lot and then into the hen house. Barely a minute later, he came back out with a snake around one arm. Snake gently held in his other hand. When you look at this, it's bandit, he explained, showing it to a fascinated Mrs. Lewis. See the scar on his back where he got caught in the corn shoulder that time. So it is, he said. Hello, old fellow. She actually petted the wild thing under the chin. How can you touch that thing? Meredith groaned. It's a snake, <laughs> Mrs. Lewis glanced at her. Reckon we should tell her that he used to live in the house. Probably not. Ray suggested away every weapon. I'll just dig him open the loft. Come on, bandit. I'll put you in a safe place. Meredith is holding both two bump laden arms with her hands and shivering. There, there, and he took gently. He won't bite you unless you provoke him. He's very gentle. If you say so, I do. Now go back in there and get the eggs. Don't let Blake see how frightened you are. Trust me, he'll take advantage of it. You'll find rubber snakes in the refrigerator, the blender, the washer. No! Meredith explained horrified. Just grit your taste and go back in the hen house, Anna suggests. Quick, before he comes back out. Meredith took a quick breath and gave Annie a miserable glance, but she did as she was told. Her skin crawled when she had to pick up the basket and gather the eggs, especially the ones the snake had been curled around. Now, every time she went to the hen house, she'd be shivering with apprehension. She looked at gunshot wounds, accident bins of victims, every sort of horror known to human eyes. She told herself firmly the snake wasn't even lacerated, so get it done and move on. She did, walking back out into the sunlight with a full basket of eggs and a forced look of composure on her soft face. Ray was waiting for her, leaning against the bumper of the truck with his arms crossed and his hat pulled low over his eyes. She didn't dare look at him for long, and that interlip pose, his lean muscular body was shown to its very best advantage. It made her tingle to think how it had felt to be held against every inch of that formidable frame, to be kissed by the long, hard mouth. You get thrown, you get right back on the horse, he said approvingly. I'm proud of you, Meredith. It would be hard for even a ranch-born girl to go back into a hen-house where a snake had been lurking. She took a slow breath. We don't face things by running away from them, I guess, she agreed. His eyes narrowed under the wide brim of that. What are you running away from, Meredith? What is your father running away from? She clutched the basket to her chest. That's nothing you need to concern yourself with, she said with quieting. You work for me, he replied. Not for long, she pointed out. In another week or so, I'll be in memory. Will you? He lurched 
away from the bumper and went to stand just in front of her. A tall and sensuous threat. His fingers touched her soft mouth. Well, those bruises still look pretty fresh, she pointed out. And you did ask for a month's leave, or so you said, did you? She came in. Well, yes, but I don't have to stay here all that time. I think you do, he returned. He bent and drew his mouth slowly over hers, a whisper of contact that made her breath catch, smiled with faint arrogance as he stood up. Anything could happen, he drawled. You might like ranch life. I don't like snakes already. <laughs> that was a fluke. They generally hibernate by November, but it's been unseasonally warm. Spring is generally when you have to watch where you put your hands, but you don't need to worry. I'll protect you from snakes. And other perils. Who will protect me from you? She asked huskily. Raising ammo. Why would you need protection? He asked. We're well over the age of consent. I've lived a very sheltered life. She said flatly. He pursed his lips as he studied her, examining the same. Maybe it's time you walked out of the cocoon. I'm not in the market for an affair. Neither am I. He smiled. But if you worked at it, you might change your mind. I don't think so, she said her eyes were cool as they met it. I wouldn't want you to think I was drooling over you, she added deliberately. His face changed. He knew immediately that she overheard what he said to Leo. He was sorry because it wasn't true. He'd been desperate to throw Leo off the track. He didn't want his brother to know how attracted he was to her. These <laughs> droppers never hear anything good about themselves, don't they say? He asked quietly. Never, she agreed. Now, if you excuse me, I'll go wash the eggs. I said something else that you'll remember with sordid ease. He murmured as he started past him. He caught her by the shoulder and tugged her close, bending to drag his mouth roughly across her. But I didn't mean that either. He whispered against the parlor. Your innocence makes my your innocence makes my head spin. I lay awake at night thinking of all sorts of delicious ways to relieve you of it. You'd be lucky, she exclaimed, shocked. He laughed softly as he let her. So would you, you know. I've been called central hell in bed, and I can assure you, it wasn't meant to be a de degenerate, he remarked. Ray Hart, she burst But why take anyone else's word for it? He teased. I'll be glad to let you see for yourself any time you like. If you think, I have never, of all the... Yes, it does tend to make women flustered when I mention what a great lover I am, he said with a wicked grin. She couldn't get one coherent sentence out. She stomped her foot hard, turned around, and stormed into the kitchen, almost knocking herself down with the door. The process didn't help that Ray stood out there laughing like a predator. If she expected Ray to be apologetic about what he said, she was doomed to disappointment. He watched her with narrow, assessing eyes as she went about her house to hold duties. He didn't harass her or monopolize her. He just watched. The shredding made her so nervous that she bobbled constantly. Her heart ran wild at the attention from those dark, steady eyes. Why don't you want to do something else besides keep house? Ray asked her one evening when she was putting supper on the table. Leo, as usual, was late getting in. Ray had volunteered to set the table while she fixed Mexican cornbread and chili. Keeping house has less stress than most outside jobs, she said, not looking at him. It pay it pays lousy wages, and you could get into a lot of trouble in some households with men who'd see you as fair game. Do you see me that way? She said wide-eyed. He glowed her. No, I don't. The point is, some other man might. It isn't a safe career in a profession. There are more laws to protect you. Most professional people have degrees and such. Besides, I'm too old. <laughs> You're never too old to go back to school, he replied. Besides, I like cooking and cleaning. He eyed her curiously. 
You're very good at handling injured people, he says, and you're remarkably calm in an emergency. Let's get practice for when I have kids, she said. He, he drew in his girlfriend. You like being mysterious, don't you? Well, at last it's fun, she agrees. What dark secrets are you keeping, Meredith? <laughs> he asked quietly. None that should bother you, even if you found them out. She assured him. She smiled him from the stove. Meanwhile, you're getting fresh baked biscuits every day. Yes, we are. And you're a good cook, but I don't like mysteries. She pursed her lips and gave him a teasing glance over her. Too bad. <laughs> Put the last place setting on the table and sat down at his place. She just staring at her. What else? You know, said after a minute, friend. There's something familiar about your last name. I can't quite place it, but I know I've heard it somewhere. That wasn't good, she thought. You might remember Leo talking about her brother. She didn't want to have to face the past. Not just yet, when she was still broken and bruised and uncomfortable. When she was back on her feet and well again, there would be time to come to grips with it once and for all, as her poor father was already doing. Think so? She asked with forced nonchalant news. You know, well, it may come back to me one day. Fortunately, Leo came in and stopped his train of thought. Meredith put supper on the table and sat down to eat it with the brothers. The next morning, Ray came out to the kitchen with a bright silver metal gun case. He set it down beside the counter, out of the way, before he started eating his breakfast. Going hunting? Meredith asked impishly. He gave her a weary glance. Skate shooting, he cried. The season's over, but I practice year-round. He won two medals at the World Championship in San Antonio this year. Leo told him, he's an A-class shooter. Which gates? He asked without thinking. Ray's face became suspicious. All of them? What do you know about shotguns? I used to skeet shoot, she faltered. My brother taught me how to handle a shotgun. Then he got me into competitive shooting. I wasn't able to keep it up after I graduated in high school. She improvised quickly. She didn't dare tell him she gave it up. After she finished college, that would be giving away far too much. He watched her some cup. You can show, can you? Yes, looking as if he were human or he didn't seem to believe what she claimed. Yes, I can't, she said to the boys. I'd like to come down to the range with me. Yes, I've got a nice little twenty-eight gauge I can bring along for you. By offering her the Lotus Caliber shotgun, he was assuming that she couldn't handle anything heavier. What's in the case? She asked. My 12 gauge? He said. She gave him a speaking glance. I'll just use that if you don't mind sharing it. Oh, does it have a kick or anything? She added and had to bite her tongue to keep from grinning at her innocent pose. He cleared her throat. He didn't dare look at Leo. No, he said carelessly. Of course it doesn't have a kick. In truth, it would kick worse than any other of the four gauges, but Ray was planning to call her bluff. She was putting on an act for his benefit. He was going to make her sorry she tried. Then I'll be just fine with that gun, she said. More apple butter, she offered him an open jar of spoon. Thanks, he replied smoking, and he accepted the jar. He put it down and buttered another biscuit before he spooned the apple butter into it. Don't mind if I do. Leo, want to come out alone? He asked his brother. Leo was all, <laughs> also trying not to grin. I think I will this time. He told his brother this one, this was one shooting contest he wasn't going to miss. He knew that Mike Jones was a champion shooter. If he'd been the one who taught his sister, Meredith would shock Ray speechless when she got that shotgun in her arms. He was going along. He didn't want to miss the fun. The more the merrier, I always say. Ray chuckled. <clears throat> Funny thing, that's just what I was thinking. Leo replied, tongue in cheek. Meredith didn't say another word. She finished her breakfast, waited until they finished theirs, 
and put dishes in the dishwasher. Then she dressed in jeans, boots, and a long sleeve flannel shirt with a down-filled vest and a bib cap and went off to let Ray show her how to shoot a shotgun. The target range was unusually busy for a lazy Friday afternoon in November. It was a cool day with a nice nip in the air. Meredith felt good in the down vest. It was one she'd often wore when she went to the firing range with Mike in cold weather. Coats were cumbersome and often got in the way of a good quick aim. Ray and Leo stopped to pass the time of day with two elderly shooters, both of whom gave Meredith a warm welcome. This is Jack, and that's Billy Joe. Ray introduced the white-haired man, one of whom was tall and spare, the other overweight and short. The short one had walked briskly the short distance from the red pickup truck parked at the clubhouse, and he was out of breath already. We all go to district, state, and national shoots as a team from our club. Well, we get honorable mentions, and Ray wins the medal. Billy Joe's the shorter man chuckled, still trying to catch his breath. We don't mind. We're just happy that somebody from our club breaks records. <laughs> Amen to that. Jack agreed, smiling. All right, let's get shooting, Billy Joe said, turn back to his truck. Stay where you are, Jack. I'll bring your gun, too. He turned back toward the dress, rushing and still breathing. Breathless, Meredith frowned. His cheeks were unnaturally pink, and it wasn't that cold. His complexion was almost white. He was sweating. She knew the symptoms. She'd seen them all before. You might go with him, Meredith said abruptly, introduced, interrupting Jack's banter with Ray. Excuse me? Jack asked. Just at the moment, Billy Joe stopped. Stood very still for a moment, and then buckled and fell forward into a crumpled heap at the door of his truck. Mary took off in a dead room. Somebody get me a cell phone, she called as she ran. Leo fumbled his out of his holder on his belt and passed it to her. She knelt beside Billy Joe. Get his feet elevated. Find something to cover him with. She shot at the other man. She was dialing while she spoke. She loosened the man's shirt, propping the phone against her ear. The worst way to hold it, but there was no other way at the moment. Felt... Down Billy Joe's chest for his diaphragm. Get his wallet and read me his weight and age for his driver's license, she added with a sharp glance in Leo's direction. Leo dug out the wallet and started calling out information while Ray and Jack stood beside the phone man and watched with silent concern. I want the resident on duty in the emergency room. Stat, she said. This is Meredith Jones. I have a patient, 60 years of age, 180 pounds, who collapsed without warning. Early signs indicate a possible myocardial infarction. Pulse is steady. She murmured, checking the second hand of her watch as she took his pulse with her fingertips. 40 beats a minute, breathing shallow and labored. Great complexion, profuse sweating. I need EMTs en route, and I'm initiating cardiopulmonary restorations now. There was a long pause in a male voice came over the line with her voice calm and steady Meredith gave the information again and handed the phone to Leo as she sit she bent over the elderly man did a space spaced compressions over his breastbone followed by mouth-to-mouth breathing Ray was watching spellbound at her proficiency the easy and quiet professional manner in which she'd taken charge of a life or death emergency within five minutes an ambulance was streaming up the gravel road that led to the Jacobsville Gun Club, and Billy Joe was holding his own. The EMTs listened to Meredith's terse sum- summary of the events as they called the same resident Meredith had been talking to. Doc says to give you a pat on the back, the female EMT grinned at Meredith as they loaded Billy Joe onto the ambulance. You sure knew what to do. Yes, Ray agreed, finding his tongue alive. You've obviously had first aid training. He probably meant it as praise, but it hit Meredith in the gut. She cleared him. What I've had, she emphasized, is five years of college. I have a master's degree in nursing science, and I'm a card-carrying nurse practitioner. End of chapter six.